Welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick. I'm your host. In today's episode, we are going to do another brief take on AI and the impact on communication. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. Really happy that you're here. If you've been here before, really, really happy that you're back. I've written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and also a book called Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. And it seems that right now, we are starting to see the emergence of something which will have a big impact on communication, which is artificial intelligence. And there's a lot of noise on this topic. And in the past two uh, podcasts, one um, I did a disclaimer on disclaimer, so I'm going to start there. My disclaimer is I'm by no means um, completely understand the impact that this will have on us in a year, five, and ten years, though I'm reading it like a lot of you are and hearing a ton about it in the news. In last week's podcast, we talked about the growing impact. And really the quick summary there was when I first really saw it's what it could do, my reactions were twofold. I was just absolutely wow, like holy cow. And then my second reaction was, oh no. And what I want to talk about today is giving it, taking time to play with it, understanding what it can do. And some of you have already done that. You're on ChatGPT or whatever the AI interface that you're using and you're playing around with it. I'm specifically talking about generative AI, which we talked about is the ability to create art and images and contact and content and writing in a very almost magical way. And we're going to focus specifically on that and how it might, you know, affect us as communicators. And what we talked about last week really were a couple things. Number one is just first for writers, for anybody who's in writing or communicators, it now, you now have a partner and um, an associate, a researcher, an assistant like none other. All right? It's like, like talking to the smartest person in the room who knows everything and access to that. So ask it a question, I'll give you an answer. Um, as writers, as content creators, as communicators, it gives you a nice starting point. So if you're going to write something, I'm going to give a toast to a person at, a, at an event or I'm going to write a summary of a book that I've read, it could give you a starting point. And you hear a lot about this where people, are, you know, kids are using it to write papers. I don't have an opinion. I don't think people should do that. I think they should write their own papers um, and we'll figure out how the education system catches up with that. Um, pretty tempting, I would say. Um, I think if you've got kids, you probably should check, uh, you know, grab it from them and see if they can tell you what they wrote. And if they can't, it might be a fraud. You don't want to. You want to learn. You want to learn how to write, and you don't want this to replace that. And so that's a subset of that. But this week, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about in part two is just my brief take on this and its impact to communication, and how do we play with it? How do we start experimenting and experiencing it, and what it, what's what it's capable of? And I did that since our last podcast. And I have to say that I'm cautiously optimistic. There's a lot of holy cow moments and there's, yeah, there's some like, oh no, but there's a lot of holy cow in there as a creative person and, and as, a, as a writer. So in part two, let's dive into that. So what we're looking at specifically is its ability to do a number of things to help you communicate. And I'm just going to go down the list of what it could do. And, and this is in no particular order, but this is from the standpoint of the creative process, kind of getting the creative process started 
for some writers that they're not very creative and it's hard for them to write, hard, hard for them to communicate or envision what to say. So how can we jumpstart the creative process? Research is a big part of, of communicating. What am I going to say? What's, you know, what's known, what's unknown? You know, and you're doing research and you can get lost in the, in the um, rabbit holes of the internet doing traditional search using uh, like a, an AI chat GPT kind of function. It can allow you to really accelerate the research process. Talk about that a little bit. One of the things at the Brief Lab we talk a lot about is creating a headline. And just some people are just, I, I have no problem creating a headline. So if I'm going to go into a meeting and I'm like, okay, my headline for this meeting is, as you've heard me say, it's a better version of bottom line up front or bluff. Some people are just not that creative and they can't come up with a headline. So we might want to use it for that headlining. Um, just straight up creating content, writing that might inspire you. And then finally, maybe some planning or strategy. So let's kind of go through each of those is we start exploring and playing with it. And I would encourage you to to go into, you know, go to find ChatGPT or BARD or whatever the other AI chat interfaces that there are and download it on your phone or get it on your laptop and start playing with it. If you've already done this, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to be a little bit of like reviewing something you already know. But for those of you who have not, it might be really eye-opening. So let's start with the creative process. So Recently, I had a conversation with um, a friend of mine, close friend of mine, Sharon Ellis, and one of her favorite quotes is, behavior rewarded is behavior repeated. So that's sort of a, a starting point. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go into ChatGPT, and I'm going to give it a command to write an essay on the quote, behavior rewarded is behavior repeated. And blowing my mind here a little bit, in a matter of two seconds, it wrote a five-paragraph um, essay on that. Now, if I wanted to be lazy, I would just take that and say, submit it as mine. But I, I'm not lazy and I want to, I want to be able to insert myself. So I'm going to first create that through a command. You can change the commands. You could say, write a funny essay or write a, write a, uh, you can insert tone to that. So in the creative process, giving it a command to write an essay on a topic, the more specific the command, the, it changes the output, which is really, What's quite remarkable as I played with it is the writing is really flawless. There are no typos, grammatically correct, it's clean, it's logical, and it flows. It's like it was written by a person. So that is just like what a great start the creative process is. And I'm not going to read you the, the essay, but I might start with the first paragraph. Right? So it said, the quote, behavior rewarded is behavior repeated. It's a simple yet powerful statement that holds a great deal of truth. Essentially, it means that when someone receives positive reinforcement or reward for a particular behavior, they are more likely to continue exhibiting that behavior in the future. This principle is often used in psychology, education, and management to encourage desired behaviors and discourage undesirable ones. It goes on, four more paragraphs, but the first one, not a bad start, right? So in the creative process, this might be a way of getting the creative juices and the creative process going. And it's a heck, it may be, for many of you, a heck of a lot better than starting with a blank piece of paper. So that's the creative process. Let's turn to research. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change gears here. I'm, not, like, I'm playing around with it like, okay, how does, how does AI work, generative AI work for research? And I just gave it a command. Um, what is the difference between calm and quiet? So I've started a program called Quiet Works, and I just prompted it. What is the definition? And boom. Five bullet points on what calm is, five bullet points on what quiet is, and a concluding statement that says, although both words can refer to 
peaceful state. Calm is more focused on emotional or situational tranquility, while quiet is more about the absence of noise or sound. Now, that gave me, and you can do re- I can do research on anything. You know, when did William Shakespeare write Othello? Um, who were the biggest characters in Othello? It's an instant research tool, and it is absolutely powerful. Now, you can ask who was the president of the United States in 1400, and it may be wrong, so I would, I might go back and validate. But in terms of the immediacy of research, it's incredibly powerful. I'll use another example of research. I asked it this question. Um, what are some common writing mistakes? And it listed nine. Okay. Then I went on to ask, what is the single biggest writing mistake? Now, for those of you who've listened to the podcast, I did a podcast on the single biggest writing mistake. And surprise, surprise, none of the nine that it listed of the common writing mistakes were mine, which from a research standpoint might give me an ability to look at those that list and say, well, those might be supporting points to a bigger problem. And the bigger problem that I listed in my podcast was, and it didn't list it in the answer, was the single biggest writing mistake is lack of preparation, lack of quiet time to think and organize your thoughts before writing. All of the things that were listed as common writing mistakes were sort of during or after, like grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, wordiness, lack of clarity, lack of focus, incorrect punctuation, inconsistent style, overusing passive voice, lack of editing, all of which are true, but it from a research standpoint, what is the biggest mistake? And it couldn't answer that question. It kind of was beating around the bush a bit, pulling from research and obviously the the vast troves of the internet and data. And I went a little bit deeper on research, just like writing a book on brief, like what were the causes, uh, you know, why do people struggle with brevity? And it gave me five reasons. Now in the book brief, I have the seven deadly sins and I can compare that list with my list and I can develop a point of view, but it might, I might, my list might be flawed. My thinking might be, I might have a blind spot. So inability to do really, really quick down and dirty research by putting in a prompting question and getting an immediate response can help in the research er- arena tremendously. And I was really actually completely blown away by the immediacy, the seeming, seeming like how seemingly accurate it was and how well written the answers were. So I got the answers and I read them and it, it informed my understanding even even more. So it was like a tool that I started really wanted to play with more in research. The next one is headlining. And you know, for those of you that have been through our courses, one of the most powerful weapons in being a clear and concise communicator is leading with a headline, giving me the headline to start with, right? So this is a, a, my brief take on artificial intelligence and communication. That's the headline. Why are we doing that? You know, you got to get into the why and how are we going to approach this. But the headline is, is the headline. It, ca- it captures my attention. Well, sometimes you might write a bunch of things or create a bunch. Of, you're going to say a lot of things. You've done all this research and started the creative process, but you don't. Know your headline is. So I played with it a bit more and I said, okay, well, all right. What I wanted to do research on was the why people struggle with storytelling, and it gave me a number of reasons. And then I asked, okay, well, um, write a headline about the importance of storytelling, and it gave me four. The first one is unleashing the power of storytelling, why sharing narratives is key to connecting, inspiring others. And then I changed the command saying, write a funny one. And the next headline was once upon a time in a, in a land far, far away, someone finally realized the importance of storytelling and it wasn't the dragons. Said that in parentheses, this was a machine. Pretty amazing. Next one, 
move over Bitcoin storytelling as the real currency of the future. So now I have the ability to, to prompt writing headlines and, and it could really help in headlining. Okay, what's my headline? So if you have, that's a struggle of yours or you don't really do it enough, I might look at that as just a quick, again, down and dirty, fast, creative way of generating potential headlines and they just, as fast as you can type the command, the AI interface will spit out a response. Next, I, I went into like the realm of content creation and I was thinking, okay, I want to write a blog and I'm thinking, okay, I'm a content developer. I've got a blog and I've got a topic that I want to write about, which is um, the value of sarcasm in business leadership. I just made that up, by the way. So, okay, so is this valuable? So I just gave it a prompt. Write me a 500-word essay on the value of sarcasm in business leadership. And it gave me an intro, a first section. The in, there was an intro. It gave me the first section was fostering creativity. Second section is promoting critical thinking. Next section was strengthening interpersonal relationships. And then there was a conclusion. Um, I read through them, and I'm like, holy cow, these are, these are pretty good. And then th th there was a wrap-up. It starts to develop sort of this playful back and forth of like, oh, I got a topic. I'm thinking about something. What do you think about this? What's been said about this? And it synthesizes and produces this singular, immediate, and well-written piece on whatever the topic might be, in this case, sarcasm as, as a leader's tool. And it was like, holy cow, this was amazing. Wow. To supplement that, I asked it, okay, well, that's great. So give me five examples of sarcasm in a business context. So where would you use sarcasm in examples? And it gave me five immediately. Budget proposals and an example. The budget example, sure, let's just double the budget and throw in a company jet for good measure. And then it gave the reason why. This remark can highlight the excessive nature of a proposed budget and encourage the team to reconsider their financial plan to create a more realistic and cost-effective. Another one. It illustrates the need for deadline extension. The sarcastic indication is, of course, take all the time you need. We don't have any deadlines or clients waiting on us. And then a reason why that made sense. Number three was employee performance. Four was marketing campaign and a project book. It gave me examples in each one of those, and I didn't even ask it for it. And finally, I played with it. I'm like, all right, so I'm going to develop a strategy, a strategic plan. And I just immediately came up with like this one. Now, before I proceed, I just want to go back for a second. I did ask it for potential headlines for the essay on sarcasm as a leadership tool. And it said, sarcasm, the secret weapon to boost your business leadership. No, really. Number two, unlocking the power of sarcasm, how business leaders can thrive with a side of snark. Number three, who knew sarcasm and business leadership go together like peanut butter and jelly so you can see the headlining tool. And finally, I did one on, okay, how do you change a culture? So if you're in the business of like culture change and you want to shift the I'm like, all right, well, I just asked the question, how do you change the culture? And it gave me six keys. Okay, it can be complex and challenging process, but here's some of the keys. Identify the current culture, set a clear vision, communicate the vision, model the desired behaviors, encourage participation, and number six is evaluate progress. So in strategic planning and like how-tos, like how do you build a house and how do you change a person's mind or any how-tos that you're wondering what a plan would be against that, you can prompt it and at least it gives you an answer that you can use as a starting point. I have to say that preparing for this week's podcast was a lot of fun. Playing with this interface in these different facets became um, really engaging. It was, I kept on having wow, wow, wow moments to it, way, way more than oh no's. Now, I'm not going to diminish that people are, 
are fearful and, and concerned and they don't know what the future really has in store. But I have to say is unlocking a tool like this was just, it was mind-bending and breathtaking at the same time. I want to end with um, the last thing I did, which was I prompted ChatGPT to write a funny and dark poem on the value of playing with AI as a tool. And here's what it said, two versions. The short version was AI, a tool we can't ignore, not a weapon, not a war, use it wisely, use it right, not with fear, but with might. That was one second. And I said, what, write a little bit longer one. And it says, AI, a tool we can't ignore, but not a weapon, not a war. It's in our phones, it's in our homes, it's in our cars, it's in our drones. We use it every day without a thought to automate tasks, to do what we ought, to analyze data, to make decisions, to solve problems with precision. And listen there, that was playing with it. And I think that let's focus on right now, playing with AI as a tool, not fearing it as a weapon. Just saying.